So we're going to do something a little different this week. Surprise, surprise, Steve's up here, so it might be a little different. In your bulletin, you're going to notice that instead of having fill in the blanks, there's four words and then space. So what I'm going to ask is that you follow along and listen, and then I'm going to pause at times, and then you can jot something into that spot. So I'm not, I'm not hoping that you're taking notes on everything, that you're like listening to what you feel the Lord is leading you. So some of you that are at home can either uh, jot down uh, on a piece of paper, grab a pencil or a pen that's near you, uh, or you might even have the uh, privilege of, of being together and want to turn and talk and share something that you have done. I'm also going to take you through a lot of scripture passages today. And because I was not allotted an hour and a half like I requested, <laughs> I have them on my screens that you're going to see them, but I don't want you to try to write everything down. And if you get to the point where you say afterwards, man, I wish I knew all those scriptures, I'll send them to you. My point is I want you to hear uh, instead of trying to jot everything down. Uh, so instead of looking at one passage and trying to go through each detail, I'm really going to be talking about a topic and see how it spans in many passages through Scripture. So it'll be a little different, but I wanted to set that up, and then I want to pray as we uh, get started uh, this morning. Father, thank you that we have your word. We thank you that you want to have a relationship with us. Be with the words that I say, that they might become your words. Be with the ears that are listening, that they might hear the word that you have for them. And we pray this because of what your son has done. Amen. So sometime in March, many of you might even remember right where you were, we realized that our norm, our routines, were go was going to change. They were going to be interrupted. I can remember I was with a group of teachers and we had heard rumors that maybe the governor was going to make a big announcement. And after a day of training, uh, we quickly got on to the computer and started watching. And yes, uh, the governor suggested that schools would actually close down. And I think at that time he said for three weeks, but uh, it's been an interesting uh, three weeks. So I knew that my routines were going to change. So right away, I realized that I needed to build something new into my routine. Yes, years ago, I might have followed Pastor Kevin and started running, but I didn't think that this body would be able to handle that running, so I decided to pick up walking. And I had started to wear a Fitbit that was counting my steps each day, and it, it had suggested that I have uh, 10,000 steps per day, which is approximately five miles. So I started walking every day, and I'm going to say I rarely missed a day, and I am almost always reached the, the 10,000 steps. And I did a little bit of thinking and realized that's about 1,400 miles that I've walked uh, since my routine changed. 
So, so where do I walk? Well, there's lots of trails in this area, wonderful parks, wonderful places, but there's also a variety of routes just outside my front door, and you can see some of them in the pictures. In fact, as I, even as I was preparing and thinking through this, on one of my walks on Wednesday, I ran into Jim and Nancy Heaton on their walk. So other people are walking uh, as well. So at the same time uh, that our church's routine halted, uh, our Sunday school class was in the middle of a study of 1 John. We restarted Sunday school, uh, and as we were going back, I came back across the passage that Andy had read for us uh, before in 2 John. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but one that you had had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. So that was one of the Sunday school passages. And afterwards, uh, Doug stopped me and said, you know what, Steve, I kind of thought that maybe you were going to go forward into that lesson and pick up the theme of walking uh, and expand upon that in Sunday school. Well, I didn't. But as soon as he did that, it really started connecting with me. And Doug's going to go, wow, that was a while back ago. And I'm still, I still can't, I'm still thinking. So I started walking, and then we looked at this passage about walking, and I didn't make the connection until, uh, until Doug shared that. So I've been thinking about that connection uh, between my walking and how we are to walk uh, in our spiritual life. So here's the first part. I'm going to pause, and now you will have like 30 seconds to jot something on your notes page. Or if you say, I'm not a writer, just think about what is it that you heard uh, during that first introduction. So what do you think of when you think of the word walk? A walk has been a very common uh, form of transportation, especially for the people of biblical times. We think of transportation as a connection with cars or vehicles, but in reality, they have not really been around very long. The idea of walking carries with it the idea of companionship, dialogue, intimacy, uh, decision-making, mutual delight, friendship. All of those are part of the idea of walking together. Uh, in Genesis, uh, soon after creation, we read the story of the fall, Adam and Eve's disobedience uh, in the garden. As part of that uh, chapter, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden on a cool of the day. 
Now, I've thought about that, and I thought God wanted a walking partner. He created Adam and Eve to walk with him. I'm even thinking that in the days before the fall, when they would hear the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day, they would run to go find him because they wanted to walk with him. Being asked to go on a walk with someone is a wonderful invitation. So as, as Pastor Kevin has recently taught us uh, through the beginning of the book of Genesis, we heard a lot about ge genealogies. In chapter 5, we read about Enoch. Uh, his son Methuselah was the one who lived 969 years. I, I'm not going to pause here uh, to go into a discussion about uh, that 969 years. What I'm just going to say is if the Bible says it's 969 years, then I'm going to believe it's 969 years. But all of, the, all of the individuals in that passage lived a lot longer than we would think people should live, except for Enoch. God found a walking partner in Enoch. Chapter 5, verse 22 says that Enoch walked with God. And a little later it said he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. There must have been something really special about their walk. Nowhere else in scripture do we have the idea that a man walked with God and then was no more. So Elijah, we know, was walking with Elisha and a chariot came and took him into the sky. So maybe we could say that Elijah walked with God, but we do know that Enoch clearly understood what it meant to walk with God uh, because of that passage. Then as we continue in Genesis, we come across Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. God used a Noah to preserve mankind. He preserved mankind while he was judging the world for its wickedness. Then we come to Abraham. And before God changed his name to Abraham, uh, Abram, at what we would say was an old age, God came to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. That was what God told Abram to do. And then later we find that as Abraham wanted to have a son, a, a wife for his son Isaac, and was sending his lead servant back to his homeland to find that woman. Here's what Abraham said. The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. So Abraham's response to God's request to walk with me was, I have walked. I'm going to say that regardless of what you are thinking... We are all walking right now. The first, the first verse, the first words of the book of Psalms brings this out. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So really what that tells me is that we're either, we're either walking in the counsel of the wicked or we're walking with the Lord. So Romans 3 tells me that there's no distinction. None of us have a distinction. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sinful nature causes us instinctively to follow evil. So I've often thought about this. Put a group of people together. They may start in a, let's get together and let's join and help each other and form a group. And oftentimes it starts in a really good way. But as you watch that, evil will eventually creep its way in and the end result is not what's good. So that's the whole reason that at the, at the Last Supper, Jesus gave his commandment uh, to his disciples, this is the commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus knew that love was going to be the key because our sinful nature would make us turn toward evil. So John was there at that supper, and he heard Jesus, and he told that to his congregation in 1 John, for this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, I don't want you to think, oh my goodness, I have that sin nature. I'm, Steve said I'm going to fall and always uh, fall into sin. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This gift came as we celebrated the first advent, Emmanuel, God came. And because of, of the sin wages that he paid, we have the free gift. And we have that opportunity to love. So Paul then exhorted his congregation that the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh seek their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit seek their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now in this passage, the word live could be translated to walk. And if I take that last verse, it says, for those who walk according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who walk according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, as I mentioned before, I don't have enough time uh, allotted to go through every passage that mentions the idea of walk. But I will pause right here and give you a moment to jot down what is it that you heard uh, in those words.
So that brings us to our passage for this morning. Wait, he's only halfway through. Of Philippians, starting in verse 7 of chapter 3 and reading through the first verse of chapter 4. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal of the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have uh, told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, I don't have time to go through each of the aspects, but we are to walk, and as a result of that walking, we are to know him. So why do we walk with God? When I think of... Whoop, get ahead of myself. That's the right one. When I think of walking with someone, I think of having a good conversation. I have a... a idea of of building a friendship Uh, if that is what walking with God is then I would say count me in Paul describes that in the passage that I just read in his letter to the Philippians that I may know him so let's think about that for a minute if you want to please your boss what do you do okay so you could apply that to anyone Anyone that you want to please, you find out what it is that he or she likes, what they want, what they need, and that's what we want to provide for them. Think about the Christmas gifts that you bought. 
You don't get gifts of what you want. You want to buy a gift that they want, right? And that's that whole idea of getting to know him. We want to know him so that what we do pleases him. I clicked too soon, sorry. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner in which he walked. So what do you know about God? I hope that I'm not the first person that has ever told you that God is not just your big brother who is there to protect you from the bullies and from the troubles that you might have. What God does is for his purpose, for his glory, for his benefit. His glory is more important than my own pleasure. But what I will also tell you is, I can't completely understand God. I think that's what the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 tells me. For now I see in, as in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. That's where faith is involved. So God is in complete control of the universe. He designed it, he created it, he sustains it. He has no need of anything. He doesn't need my help or your help. He only offers us that privilege of being involved with him to fulfill his purposes. God is awesome, he is glorious, and he's incomprehensible. I'm going to highlight a few of God's characteristics, but I'm going to also tell you that we can't fully understand them. So God is eternal and God is infinite. He's not bound by time. He created time. He lives outside of time. Everything that happened, he knows and has, has existed in his understanding. He doesn't have boundaries of, time, of, of space either. He's not confined that way. His, his love, his holiness, his mercy, and all his other qualities are unlimited in their scope and expression. God is self-existent. Everything else in the universe, and notice I didn't just say on earth, I said in the universe, relies on him. He has no beginning because he was the creator and he lives outside of that creation. God's ever-present. He's with us at all times. We often use that characteristic as a comfort for us but we also have to realize that, that he sees every one of our actions. I've thought, have you ever stopped and thought, hey, no one's watching me right now. Maybe I can take that extra cookie. Get away with it. God is with you, so he sees everything. God also knows everything. He's the source of true knowledge. He's the source of understanding. He's the source of wisdom. He knows everything about you even more than you know about yourself. 
He knows what you're doing and what you're thinking. God's all-powerful. He controls the wind. He controls the floods. He controls the volcanoes. He controls the earthquakes. We can study those aspects of nature. We can maybe even somehow describe them. But we're not even that good at predicting them. God is holy. I put that up there. I just felt I needed to put that God is holy. And yet I don't really even know how to explain that to you. How can I in my sinful nature explain to you what holy is? I quickly gravitate to it. And God cannot stay in, its pre in sin's presence. God is just. People in our country, in our nation, are calling out for justice. And I'm going to say the only place you can find justice is in God. So I could go on and on. Believe me, I could. And some of you are going to say, but Steve, how could you come up with that list and not have his mercy? How could you have that list and not have his grace? How could you have that list and not have his glorious? You have other ones that you're going, but you didn't mention. You're right. I didn't have time. The whole Bible was written as his story, written so that we would know him. He made that revelation. There are lots of ways and volumes that have been written, but we can only understand a part, like the tip of the iceberg. So again, I'll pause and give you a moment to, to reflect and jot down what did you hear. So now that you've heard this, how do you respond? How will you walk with God? How will you get to know him? When I decided to put walking into my daily routine, I knew that I couldn't go out and walk once a month or once a week. I needed to do it every day. If I want to develop a close relationship with someone, I want to spend as much time as I can with them. I'm also thinking that at this time of year, many individuals stop to think about resolutions. Uh, they want to do something to improve themselves. I'm wondering if my response should be, like it is each year, that I choose to walk with him so that I would know him and obey his commands. So I'm going to share with you some quick first steps. Uh, and this word hand comes from navigators. So you could find that as well. Uh, the first is hearing. We need to hear the word of God as it's taught by uh, godly teachers, godly pastors. It will give us insights into the challenges. It will stimulate our appetite for the truth. We need to do our own reading. 
Reading the Bible is the best way to let God speak to you. It is not for the pastor to read to you. It is for you to read. And then, not just reading through, but studying it. Letting it sink into our hearts to correct us, to encourage us, to edify us. And then keeping track of those things that you have learned. Writing them down so that you can organize them and remember them. And then you get to the point where you memorize God's word. It's a training. It lets us use the sword of the spirit. It helps us in the face of temptation. It helps us when we are being opposed by Satan. It gives encouragement to others that we interact with, that we can give scripture to encourage them. And then meditate. We came to this passage uh, early on in Psalm 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. He thinks about it. He keeps thinking and going deeper. The example uses this as the thumb because the meditation should go through all aspects of the other four. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the question is, in the last reflection, how are you walking?